0: to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, my friends, welcome to another episode. I'm so happy that you're here. And if you're new to the show, episodes drop every Wednesday morning. And I'm Helen, I'm an empowerment coach, meditation teacher, singer-songwriter. Lots of other things. Uh, What I'm most excited about right now is that I've started studying to become certified in QHHT, which is Quantum Healing Hypnosis Technique, which was founded and really originated by Dolores Cannon, who you might have heard me talk about in recent episodes. She's quickly become one of my favorite teachers, uh, a very revolutionary thinker, and essentially a channel and you know a, a connection for us and our star families and ancient wisdom and just the coolest. So I'm really excited to, to learn more about this and bring it to you, bring this knowledge to you. Quantum healing hypnosis allows us to really dive into our past lives and do regressions and essentially understand ourselves as quantum beings, spiritual beings having a physical experience. <laughs> Classic tagline, but uh, it has so much juice in there. and. It's just exciting to be on the cutting edge of this stuff and be alive at this time, right? This is why we're having these podcast conversations to really just get to know ourselves better in that way. Okay, so speaking of which, let's jump into today's episode because, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so excited to bring this one to you. I actually pushed this episode forward to bring it to you sooner because... You guys all wanted to know about dreams, and I was getting a lot of requests about dreams and symbology and interpretation, and sure enough, as the universe would have it, I get an email in my inbox introducing me to Carrie Honey, and I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. Got to interview her, and I'm so excited. She's awesome. So Carrie is a dream analyst and author who explores spirituality, particularly through nature and ancient wisdom, and she shares her passions through writing, dream interpretation, of course, music. And technology. She's also a symbology expert and presents her understanding in coordinates with inspiration from nature and the Tao and I Ching wisdom. And as an author, she's published seven books, all of which bridge the gap between environmental consciousness and spirituality. And Carrie works to inspire tolerance through self-discovery and to make the spiritual tangible through science and nature, and to present the common ideas among our ancient texts and wisdom that reveal a universal message. She has a really popular website called cafeosoul.com, which is an awesome resource for archetypes and symbols and is just a great resource for education and overall dream interpretations. She has this awesome like box on the website where you can literally just type in the dream that you've just had and it will uh, give you all of your symbology. So I just love that. All right, everybody, enjoy this episode. And of course, while you're listening, if you feel like a buddy might benefit from this information, please do send it along. Leave a review if you feel called. I'd be so grateful. And in the meantime, I'm at Helen Denham underscore on Instagram and at the lifted podcast. All right, talk to you on the flip side. Okay, Carrie, well, the first question I love to ask guests is how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to?
1: Well, as a dream worker obviously <laughs> um, i my first uh thing is is really to kind of check in with whatever you know I might have dreamed, but um I don't really like rituals in the sense of um I never like to do the same thing every day or you know i'm I'm a gemini <laughs> i mean I just like variety, and I also kind of have a sense that when I get up, I feel like I might as well have pulled up in a cruise ship into a new port and what's the day going to bring? And I ride around in my carriage and just see, you know, I'm very much into being in the moment and taking everything in. And so, yeah, I mean, there's things that I'll do in terms of like exercise or get out with my dog or, um, you know, certainly I'm doing a lot of, you know, talking to people online or uh, stuff, but but yeah, I just kind of uh, prefer to just let things flow hmm And be. also, and also like today I was on a call at 4 a.m. in Indonesia. <laughs> like, so I'm really, I'm on so many time zones. I can't really have a, a ritual. Sometimes I get up at three in the morning, you know, like yeah. it's great. It's crazy.
0: Well, I guess the overarching question there is um, like, what helps you to stay in alignment um, when you're starting your days off so that you come into the day like calm and ready? Is there anything that helps you get into that zone? I think
1: it's just, you know, uh, constantly practicing staying at the threshold of awareness, you know, like you can call it non-attachment, you can call it not embroiling, you can call it learning to be the witness. You know, a lot of my philosophy, a lot of the stuff that I write about is understanding that there's, you know, that we have a 24-hour mind, that the dream, you know, perspective is as important as our daily perspective. And I sort of look at, the daily life a lot like I look at dreams, which we can, you know, talk about, but so you, you really get a sense of taking ownership, you know, for if if somebody's having a bad day or something's going on, you know, like what part am I playing or, you know, so, so I'm in a constant uh, practice daily of just being at the threshold of perception, not jumping ahead of what's unfolding or not, you know, expecting certain outcomes or I don't know if that makes sense, but
0: Mm-hmm. But that it
1: sounds very simple and it sounds easy, but it's not. And so I kind of always am, am practicing that.
0: No, I love what you just said about having a 24-hour mind as well. So it makes <laughs> sense that you're explaining this kind of flow because it, it doesn't seem like you perceive such a big break between the waking and the sleeping experience. So exactly. So can you explain that a little bit more?
1: Well, um, you know, the whole idea of dreaming is we, you know, During the day, a lot of our prefrontal cortex is active. You can call it ego. You can call it, you can call ego a defense mechanism. It's on, you know, it's out looking for what's wrong or what's out of place, how to keep everything status quo. You know, not, nothing should change. You know, we get really reactive. And and when we sleep, the prefrontal cortex is inhibited. The body's paralyzed. The working memory, our critical reasoning, that's all offline. And yet what we're experiencing feels every bit as real as what we're experiencing by day. Right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we, while dreaming, we're processing and letting go of any kind of ideas that are self-defeating. It's like a digestive organ. We're exploring new approaches in a, in a highly creative environment. And everybody has access to this creativity and intuition because I see a lot of times that dreams are precognitive but it you know it's a 24 hour mind so what I may have done something in my upbringing that repress some aspect of my authenticity that wasn't acceptable or what, you know, that I didn't, I don't quite allow for expression. And that's what's happening in my dreams is that some, you know, that part of me is being, you know, is being able to be unmasked and incorporated in my journey. And so we tend to wake up and say, Oh, that was a dream. Okay. Now I'm in my experience. Well, how can you say one is more important than the other? You know, if something happens on my path and it's crisis, but I end up converting it into a transformative you know healing. you know uh, how can I say that what happened today while I was awake is more important than what I dreamed about last night that also changed me? The only difference is the sense of ego orchestrating everything is not at play when we're dreaming, right and so um, that's part of my you know, I, I, that's part of what teaches me how to be at the threshold of perception because you're a witness. You're innocent in the dream state, and if we if we can be that same way in daily life, and that means like when we dream, everything is a, is a reflection of us. You know, the landscape, the lighting. You know uh, all the symbols; it's giving clues as to what's going on with my psyche. A house can represent my paradigm. You know the upper floors can be upper aspirations, the basement can be sort of the subconscious, and even other people in the dreams are representing me. And you know that's part of the reason people don't you know think that their dreams are kooky or they don't understand them is they're not really looking at them from from like how is this dream reflecting my me back to me? And so when you go through daily life with that same sort of idea that, you know, why can I get mad at this person when they're really on my path for a reason? There, you know, like the people that show up in our dreams, I always say, think of an adjective to describe them. Like, wow, she's really aggressive. Well, what does, what what part of, what role is she playing for me? Am I, am I examining my own aggressiveness, adopting, discarding? You know, we're learning from each other. And it's kind of like, you know, we own our experience um, when we look at dreams to say that everything is representing us. And you can carry that on the path and take responsibility for your condition, you know, not dump on people, be, you know, recognize that everything's not always going to go your way. Cause there's a flow that's way more, you know, able to guide where we're going beyond what we think we should have. Right. That's what suffering really is, is the idea that we should have something. We don't want to let go of it when once we do whatever we get is, is far better. So, so that's why, I use the term 24 hour mind because it is one mind. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah. There's so much that I want to unpack with you here that's <laughs> like so fascinating. So I want to go back a little bit with you and ask you about your upbringing and what yes. in general ended up leading you to this work in studying dreams. Well, you know, my
1: upbringing was pretty liberal. <laughs> you know, like I was, I grew up in the 70s, so there wasn't a lot of supervision. It was, you know, the parents were both parents were working or whatever. So, so I had like, you know, a lot of freedom, but I was really, um, born with a condition when I was young that, um, for some reason, whenever I would start going through whatever brainwave states that would lead to REM, let's say I would end up, um, getting out of my body. Now this is not lucid dreaming and we can talk about that, you know, later, but it was, it's definitely out of body. I'm up by the ceiling. I'm down by the floor. I'm like everywhere. And everything that I look at is long and skinny or tall and or tall and skinny or long and fat like like dimensions are distorted i close my eyes they're still distorted and i was like mom you know i need to go to the doctor <laughs> but mm-hmm. but it was many years later after like years and years of a lot of research of why do i access these states and studying physics and studying comparative religion and mythology and all that um, that I walked into a neurologist's office in my 30s. And the first thing he said is, do you have auto body experiences? You know, wow. so, so he gave me like kind of uh, a, an answer for why I, I can do that. So just, you know, so I feel like I was really kind of, um, you know, planted in, in the garden of dreams as a child. It's not like I pursued it. It was that, and I just had this ability to know kind of the metaphorical language of dreams. Because just like in poetry, you know, the words are not always literal. There's like symbolic, you know, emotionally stirring imagery that comes to mind as you read a poem. That's what's happening in in dreams too, you know? And so I just kind of always understood that. And so it's really, you know, and then of course I studied a lot of psychology and stuff, but you know, it's kind of, it found me (laughs) and it's been with me my whole life.
0: You know? Would you say that the experience you were having, would you call it astral projection or is it another facet of that? Um,
1: it is um, astral projection in that, that, in my 30s, around the time, a little bit before I ended up at the uh, neurologist's office, um, I ended up going to an Einstein conference because, again, I was studying all this stuff, like trying to make sense of my experiences. And when, when I was in the audience with all these physicists (laughs) and at UCLA in a big amphitheater thing or whatever, you know, they're talking about Einstein and his work with relativity and travel at the speed of light. And obviously the body can't do that, you know, but what would the world look like? And this is like, now I'm 32 or something. And those experiences happened when I was a lot younger. It's not like it happens all the time. It happened when I was young. It happened in my twenties. It happened again in my thirties, but everything was exactly as I saw. Like, everything was tall and skinny or short and fat because depending on the direction of travel in an energetic, if you're traveling at the speed of light, you basically bypass whatever sets up our dimensions. And depending on the direction of travel, you, the dimension collapses. Mm. And so it was sort of like, you know, a, a huge validation for me because what I'm trying to say is it, I was in an energy condition. You know, I, uh the our, we're we're part of time and this world and dimension and whatever but um so when someone says astral projection um i did have like interactions on on a huge uh, one that happened you know around the time you know uh, in my 30s where i came upon the energetic forms of people they had no cognition they were just like and well, at first I thought, well, maybe I've gone to some, maybe I'm having a near-death experience because that's exactly what it was like. Like I went through the tunnel, the whole works. Mm. But when I, um, when I really got, you know, start, I started seeing my sister, my husband, friends, and I was like, oh my god, this is like these people are alive on the earth, but they didn't have any cognition. It was sort of like a representation of their energy or emotional condition or something and it seems like after that experience is really what then compelled me to do a lot of the work that I do in healing others you know like yeah I do dream work but you know I was with the kids at risk of joining gangs in East LA for many years in the 90s I was working with the elderly you know I was like really helping people tap their own you know creativity whatever we access through dreaming but I you know I, I do it in art programs and uh you know so it really kind of changed my life because at that point i was a clothing buyer on Rodeo Drive you know and and uh you know in fact i was having dreams because i was a buyer i don't know how much you know about Rodeo Drive but back in the day there was a lot of boutiques now i think a lot of the designers that we found are actually on Rodeo Drive but you know i was it was uh it, i sort of fell into it you know and but you know traveling around the world going to runway shows and all that but i kept having a dream that We'd be going, and I didn't have my makeup, you know. Like, uh, it, and in, in the dream, it was super important, you know. Normally, so you don't have your dream, you don't have your makeup. You're going to Paris, like you know. <laughs> but um, and it sort of, you know, that that's kind of like, hey, well, why do you have to make up your face? You know, like, who are you really? Mm-hmm. That was back in my twenties, so you know, like, so I don't know. It's just like one big collage of um, of of being tapped on the shoulder. Being taken somewhere, getting it validated, doing a lot of work, and and I guess I'm sorry I, I kind of missed the point, but after t- tapping into that energetic realm, it's like I can do that all the time. Not 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 out of body, but when I'm working with people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's like it sort of.
0: Yeah, I I loved what you were explaining when you saw like your sister and these kind of energetic figures in this realm, um, in this state. Um, do you think that that is a a much more realistic understanding of who we are as spiritual beings that, that our waking life and our ego activated? Like, do you feel like you were seeing these people in their most authentic form, like stripped of their personality or what did that feel like for you? Did it feel like that's who they really were or what no, was that sensation? No, it, it felt, it felt more like there was
1: some, some part, some energetic reflection that um, was more of an emotional condition. Because when I saw my sister, she kind of came through me and I could taste her tears. She walked mm. right through me, you know, and then I, this friend of mine, her face was like moving around, like it gave me the sense that she was really confused about her identity or, you know, it's kind of like, I didn't feel like it was the end result of all of our, you know, journey to understand and and be authentic and, and enlightened, like what maybe people that maybe I've passed on, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've had, I've been working with people and have been um, and, and have had, have received like the energy of people that have passed. I've not like seen them. I've just gotten the message kind of thing, mm-hmm. but, um, but, but no, I, you know, I, so, so I don't, you know, and and, I, and again, I'm really not one to always try to say this is the truth and that's not the truth. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for what it's all about but my spirituality is a little bit more organic to say that I don't think the body's at odds with the spirit. You know, I don't think that we should wait till the afterlife to, you know, I feel like that it's all like one big, um, like our, I think the only thing that for certain is that our understanding of time is different than, you know what I mean? It's like this long stretched out thing that we're experiencing here where there's probably a different reality. And sometimes I wonder if the dream world is the one, you know, whatever, because when you dream, whatever that mind is, and let's say when you pass on or whatever, like, what is that? Like, what life is that that we dream of? And is that the one that actually, when the body falls away, when the ego is no longer the big de- defense mechanism in charge of our life, and, you know, all of those the way language, we learned words, and it became these complex ideas that overwhelm us and keep us from seeing the magic and mystery of this crazy place we live in. You know, when that all falls away, maybe it's the dream state that where, you know,
0: Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. This is something my housemate and I love to talk about is um, like ancient Toltec wisdom that um, mm-hmm. they believe that, right? I don't know if you mm-hmm. can expand on this. I don't know much about it, but their belief um, or their ancient beliefs are that the dreamer is we are being dreamed by the dreamer exactly. through us. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so in the Aborigines in Australia, um, if you go back to Wangsu, an ancient Chinese philosopher, you know, probably around the same time as Lao Tzu, but, you know, he, he's the one who talked about, he uh, dreamed he was a butterfly. And when he woke up, he wondered if he was a man dreaming of a butterfly or a butterfly dreaming of being a man or, you know, like there's, you know, and that's part of like the whole, like, let go of the boundaries, you know? And, and so, yeah, it is quite, you know, I mean, I know in our, in our ancient wisdoms, there's, you know, there's a lot of Commonality among our myths because that's another thing that I do, I write a lot about. I translated that Yijing, I translated the Tao Ching, I translate you know th- things that relate to archetypes, to tarot from the west, you know, astrology. Like, I've, I've kind of worked with symbols and our, our expression of the spiritual and all of its many forms, and it's really very similar across cultures. And my belief is that. A long time ago, 10,000, 100,000 years ago, like way before we started writing things down or, you know, our understanding of history, that we probably were all dreaming together, you know, like being really having access to um, the, these ideas that became our astrology, like astrology is phenomenal the way that, you know, it, it, I, I've been doing astrology since I was seven for for people, and it's just it's amazing to me how accurate it is in describing exactly why they chose their parents and the life path, and you know, and why has it worked all these years? And it go and in fact, I wrote a book decoding the night sky about ancient Babylonian astrology, going way back before the Greek time. But there's symbols that go back to 10,000 BC mm-hmm. before anybody was writing anything, you know, other than drawing the symbols, and so. Yeah, I feel like we we kind of had access access to these mythological arc archetype sort of uh spiritual ideas. So if somebody said a long time ago and they're still practicing today in the Aborigine Society of Australia, dream time, you know, the idea that we're we are dreaming this and and we really don't know is uh You know, if you look at Buddhism, they would say that everything that we see is an illusion. Well, it's an illusion from the sense that it's probably projection. I mean, we're all interpreting life in our own way or whatever, but it's it's a very real place. But then so is what we're experiencing, you know, when we sleep. So, I mean, who's to say what's fantasy and what's reality? I certainly won't.
0: Right? I know. Well, this is kind of the um, amazing part of the human experience is the curiosity, because exactly. it's kind of fun to not have the answers and start to have these conversations. Exactly. But I feel like um, lucid dreaming is what really starts to bring that um, idea to life. What do you think about lucid dreaming? Like, What's, what's mm-hmm. really happening there when we, when we dive into a lucid dream?
1: Okay. So um, when, when, we're, when we're really dreaming... You know what we call metacognition, like the the ability to think about what what we're thinking about. You know, we do that by day. We can go, hmm, it's not funny. I just had a thought of my friend, or you know, thinking about what we're thinking. That doesn't happen in um, in in the regular dream state, and so in lucid dreaming, self awareness and the ability. And in fact, I should say one other thing about dreams too. Before I jump into this, is the what I love most about dreams, and this comes from Freud's work on condensation, the idea that a very complex issue can be, you know, condensed into this like hybrid of something crazy, like riding a horse on a boat, which wouldn't we wouldn't do in real life, but you blend the boat with the horse, maybe horse's spirit, the boat is emotional, you know, shoes made of candy, you know, the shoes are the path, the candy can be gratification, you know, so these like these that and when i'm working with people when they get to the book bizarre stuff they're usually like well i don't really want to talk about that because that was the kind of crazy but no 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 the more bizarre the closer we are to the good the good stuff you know so the fact that dreams are so bizarre and we believe them to be so real while we're experiencing them what because all these parts of our mind have 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 let go is um you know uh why we are able to be led let's say in the dream state because i'm not the only one that will tell you this but you know when we're dreaming when you work with your dreams you start to realize that some part of us maybe something beyond us maybe a higher self maybe god who knows some part of us knows where we're going knows us better than we know ourselves gives us clues in these symbols so something something's really guiding us so and you know um i always say too like if you wake up in the middle of the night uh, and then you start like thinking, worrying, you know, you're in this incredibly expansive uh, right brain, imaginative side of your mind. And, and that's the wrong time to start thinking about things because everything gets blown out of proportion. You still have that, you know, sort of tendency. So um, when you think of lucid dreaming, usually the bizarre is what triggers the awakening, but you don't really wake up, Right. Mm-hmm. Your, your self-awareness, you are kind of aware and now you have the ability to control, you can control the dream mm-hmm. and, and that metaconsciousness kind of awakens because now we know we're thinking about what we're thinking about, you know, like we're, we're sort of, it's not like the, you know, like our body was paralyzed, our, um, the mind, parts of the mind get shut down. Like nature has a very specific purpose and design for us to dream, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when, when you kind of wake up in that, it's, I wouldn't call it dreaming because the whole idea that dreaming is leading us is missing because now we are controlling the dream similar to what we can do by day, right? Oh, Mm -hmm. I want to go flying over houses or, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing because there's a lot of people that believe lucid dreaming can increase someone's capacity to think outside the box and creativity, access to the creative mind, you know? Um. But it's not, you know. There's some also some people that think lucid dreaming, if it's done too much, it's not giving the mind its uh, proper nourishment and the the uh, the place to heal itself. Because that we are being healed while we sleep. You know, the body's healing, the mind's healing. You know, and so, you know, when you compare dreaming to lucid dreaming, I'd say that dreaming is brings far more self awareness and enlightenment when you you know can work with your dreams or whatever, and if you compare like psychedelics like uh ayahuasca or psilocybin for mushrooms or whatever there that's a little bit like lucid dreaming or you know the brain's default mode even even more so in a in a you know psychedelic the default mode is shut down more like dreaming, but the visual cortex is active right so that mm-hmm. it, it, but so you've got like, you know, with the lucid dreaming, the default mode isn't shut down. Mm. Does that does that make sense? So, so uh, just to say in a yeah. nutshell, if mm-hmm. ego's involved in the dreaming process that I don't, I see that as a
0: That That is so <laughs> fascinating, Carrie. <laughs>
1: and there's people that will hate me for saying that. Cause I know that there's like a whole world of lucid dreamers or whatever, but. Oh
0: yeah. I mean, I didn't <laughs> expect that perspective to come out at all. And I'm like, I think it's such an interesting and like on point observation that we really do want to give ourselves that space to just release all of the the ego patterning and everything but i'm i'm just remembering i really think it was part of my personal kind of spiritual awakening and um just understanding that we are so much we are beyond the body and connected to the body all at once but the Mm -hmm. first time i had a lucid dream um as a kid was like whoa it was studying near-death experiences and having lucid dreams that was like okay um i am comfortable knowing that i am a spirit in a physical body kind of thing so yeah I appreciate and it for what it gave there, but I love your perspective here. I'm going to think about it a little differently. <laughs> yeah,
1: because it's like, you know, I mean, like I said, for problem solving and done in moderation like anything else in life, you know, I'm sure it has its benefits, but it's not something that we should eagerly pursue. In fact, when when I was having, you know, those experiences where I would leave my body, right? Like it's not, it wasn't flying. It wasn't lucid dreaming. I was 100% aware and awake. I just was like not in my body, you know, like... uh so it's kind of weird, but I I really thought I could control it and have you know do it at will, and that, that wasn't the case. So even with that, I felt I felt like you know part of my path was to to that led me here. You know, I had a lot of crisis on my path too. You know that if I didn't have those if I didn't have the crisis, I wouldn't be where, where I am as well. I wouldn't have the depth of, of my reservoir to heal others, you know? So I don't know. You just kind of have to take it all in stride.
0: Yeah. When you were going through these crises that you're referring to, was it dream work that helped you work through some of it? What did you learn about yourself through your dream state? Um, Well, what,
1: you know, that's an interesting uh, uh, question because the it, most people don't remember their dreams. Like it's very, it's very hard because, you know, and I can explain a little bit of that if you'd like. Yeah. Um, all right. So I kind of conceive, and of course, nobody really understands like how the mind works, but I conceive it to be the right brain and the left brain. And the left brain is where the Wernicke's area is, where our language center is, where logic, you know, like we have, everything's built on language. And the more that, we, the more words we have, the more the harder consciousness com- becomes or whatever. And then on the right side is like access to inspiration, intuition, dreams. There's like a much more, in fact, when they, whenever they've done like split brain epilepsy sort of things, and uh, so they can actually, and this has been like for 40 years or something, they stimulate that area in the right temporal lobe. People hear music, they hear voices. Some people leave their body. And that's that's specifically the area where they located my, you know, partial Caesar thing or whatever. So, but um, so the so when we're dreaming, we're really in this holistic, creative, imaginative, right brain space. Now you have to remember too that we're dreaming about what we repressed. we dream the exact opposite of what we believe to be true about ourselves. You know, like we might've done something during the day, we could be a very like reserved person and, and somebody really pushed our button and we let out some anger and we're not comfortable with that. So we'll dream of like a ferocious tiger attacking us. You know what I'm saying? As we work through, what was that? Like, you know, it's because everything's you, right? You're the tiger. That, that emotion probably scared you or, or whatever, but, that we're dreaming of what's repressed, what we don't allow expression. There's a side of us that's being defined and given or given expression, let's say. So who who buried that ego, the left brain? So when we're in this dream state and we've just had this little journey through lusciousness of possibilities for our authenticity expression, authentic expression. And then we all of a sudden like wake up and now we're in the left brain, it doesn't want to remember. Do you think it's helpful to remember? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the people, the people that I do dream work with, not only gain incredible fast-forwarded insight and in, you know on their path, but they also start to experience synchronicity. They do. They start to see what I call the twenty-four hour mind. Mm-hmm. When when I look at dreams, I can see how their mind has constructed reality. It's like a painting, right? And then you can start to see the same, the similar pattern. In in your daily life, so I always tell people, you know, when you're in the dream state, try try not to wake up so fast, or like don't let the mind try to grab it. Like let it just sort of bubble and rise. How do you feel? How did the dream make you feel? Oh, right, there was like a spaceship. There was a spaceship, and I was a little bit afraid because there was aliens, or you know, like. And then, you know, don't jump to try to interpret it because that takes it back into the left brain side, right? Just just reach over and write it down. And even if it's one symbol, later on, I'll be like, yeah, but you know what? And then I remember we went to an ice cream shop with these aliens or whatever, whatever the dream may be. And, and who cares how kooky it is? I, I can tell you there's meaning in all of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like I dreaming of aliens a lot of times would be, you know, again, feeling like, Something has made us feel uh they're they're us like we're feeling cut off, like or we we've just entered some situation that's completely foreign to everything we understand about ourselves, or you know so. Mm-hmm.
0: do you think that there is um room for like visitations from our spirit guides, from ancestors, from extra dimensional beings to visit us in our dreams? Do you think that that is happening as well?
1: Um, I, I know people have um, had really profound connections with with people that have passed in their dream state, and I know I've connected uh, while awake. Well, I may be working with a client, and it's the energy comes through from a you know, and I know nothing about their family life or you know, and the things they tell me. Obviously, they're real, so there so there is some sense that whatever the energy is, it doesn't it's around and and yeah, I commonly hear of people. Um, you know, I've been doing this for probably. 30 40 years and since you know the online world in the 90s i don't know how many decades that is you know it's i've been all over the world talking to people um so i see it's it's these things are common a lot of the themes the symbols everything is it's very common and so yeah it does seem like um you know because when when we lose someone that we love it, that tragic it's the, the grief you know and again dreams are healing us so you know, it uh, it seems like it it would happen more in the dream state that we, you know, have the ability to connect with loved ones that have passed, you know, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I will never forget the dream I had about my grandfather after he passed. Um, I saw him in the dream in this just like golden like space, like this golden room with all this light coming through. And he like threw his cane to the side and started dancing Aww. and like taking off his hat. It was like, very, and I woke up just crying. I was like, he just wants to show me he's fine. Exactly. And, he's happy. and it was really meaningful and, and exactly. profound and something I could share with my family. It made everybody feel better, but um, yeah. And, and
1: also the fact that, it, you know, you couldn't have, you couldn't have described what, 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 like, if I said, where do you think your grandfather is? You wouldn't have been able to describe it, but there it was for you. He's, you know, the mind is so much more free mm-hmm. when we're dreaming. So yeah, that's, it brings up a good point because it isn't always, you know, there's other things that can happen in our, in our dream life like that, those connections.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can all kind of think back to some profound dreams that have changed us. I Sometimes once, probably every like couple years, I will have dreams about like cellular upgrades, like DNA upgrades where I'm like mm-hmm. lifted up and um, I just see kind of my cells reintegrating and um, mm-hmm. like light body activation in a way, and I always mm-hmm. feel weird the next day and really excited.
1: <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know yeah. when I'm, whenever I'm writing, I have like seven books, but a lot of times when I'm writing the book, like I, I don't sit down and say, okay. I'm, I mean, I may have an idea where I'm going, but boy, my dream life gets like super predictable, where. I'll dream of the chapters, you know, like the the information comes to me, uh, like the symbol or whatever, and I'll start working with it. It's like, okay, yeah. And it fits perfectly. And the dream and the book writes itself through dreams. So it's like a, it's a highly creative, uh, Place. <laughs> wow. I <laughs> was going
0: to ask you about your writing process since you have such an amazing collection. So I mm-hmm. love hearing that um, a lot of it came through your dreams as well, mm-hmm. appropriately. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. <laughs> you know, like I don't, you know, I don't know what the, the things that I'll write about. Um, obviously, I write a lot about um, ancient, our ancient ideas, I make them relevant to today or whatever. But yeah, like it, it, it'll kind of come through the dreams. And, you know, I do music as well. And I kind of hear it and just try to recreate it, and you know so so it's a and and the, the thing I love most about dreams is it is they prove that everyone's creative because people say, well i don't dream well that's not true. rapid eye movement is showing that you're dreaming, like we we don't remember them, and that is understandable why we don't but but we're all dreaming, and the fact that if we do remember them, they're so clever and corny and goofy, and whatever it is that's going on, it shows how you know everyone has access to this incredible, inspired, creative part of the mind, mm-hmm. and that 's part of too when I talk about the twenty four hour mind I feel like the more that you let go of the boundary, the more that you can understand synchronicity, and you know what I mean by synchronicity right
0: mm-hmm.
1: like the synchronicity is when something is happening out here in this world that really it matches to what I might have just jumped about, or like the inner world starts to become like revalidated out out here, but you know, I feel like uh, you get the chance to remove the boundary, mm-hmm. and therefore you're less left brain driven, and you are more right brain. And you're, and like you said, um, the the getting back to the mystery and the magic, and giving yourself permission to discover, and you know, you kind of they kind of all go together. You're more taking a right brain, like the same mind is that dreams now can be present during the day. I don't know. Maybe that sounds like a big bill to fill.
0: (laughs) No. Well, another thing I wanted to ask you about too is like people are asking, how do I have more dreams and how do I remember my dreams? And you're saying, well, we all have dreams. It's just kind of a matter of like remembering them. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, you, you mentioned writing them down. Is there anything else that we can do to like actively remember our dreams, have more dreams, if that's even the case, um, like how can we just get more in touch with this dream world and our dream self?
1: Okay. So I find that um, sometimes just asking you know, for the dream before you go to sleep can, can help. Um, again, like when you're waking up, try not to like, like try to let it be the intangible, dance with it, don't grab it like the information or whatever, write it down. And once you like grab that symbol and then start, you know, the rest of it comes out or you start exploring, it's like, wow. It's like our own mind. I think when it connects to the idea that do I have this inner guru talking to me, that's giving me this luscious information or whatever, like, then it, it seems like that triggers the ability to remember dreams more. Like, like it's almost like, um, people dismiss them because they don't recognize they they've never had the opportunity to see how profound they are. So it's a combination of getting something to write with, you know, um, being asking for the dream, not grabbing it when it comes, like really letting, letting it, um, even if it's just one symbol, just like, and, and sometimes like to say the word ball or whatever it was, you know, Mm-hmm. and then and then as you work with it and as you, you say, think like wow i ha- i didn't see myself that way in this situation that's interesting and then it seems like you'll remember more and another thing is we don't necessarily have to always remember our dreams we d- we tend to remember them more when we're going through crisis like i feel like dreams get louder more colorful and and they it sort of matches to what, when we the more we get stuck the, the louder the guidance becomes, and we we tend to remember our dreams. But the oracles on my website, I have like the I Ching, like the number one I Ching free I, I Ching reading on my website, um, and also I, you can get a tarot reading. I have a dream dictionary, whatever. So so it's like I feel like the same intention to say, you know, guide me in my dreams. And I don't know if you talk to other people in your podcast about oracles, but I feel like if you have that same intention, that hey i want to be guided and you approach the oracle for a reading and you really you don't do it over and over what's he thinking of me or you know that you use it more as like self-awareness and you really like use it as uh, maybe you apply it for the week or whatever i feel like oracles kind of um i don't know that again that's the synchronicity of it all that mm-hmm. the same the same mind wants to understand
0: itself all right popping in for a moment to chat with you about my confidence course This is an eight-module online self-mastery course, and we go through everything from breaking and creating new habits, to goal-setting, to energy-clearing rituals, EFT, guided visualization meditations, and so much more. So if you're feeling like you are just ready to up-level in some way in your life, or you have a project that you've had in mind, but are just like a little nervous or scared to take the next step, or you just want to get to know yourself more deeply, this might just be the perfect thing for you right now. So you can go to and denim.com slash course and check it out. See if it resonates and I'll leave the link in the description below as well. All right, back to the episode.
1: Mm -hmm. And and the the willingness of the person who's exploring, um, can open to receive it. Yes. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah. I think it's a great comparison. I pull oracle cards every time I teach a meditation class, so a few times a week, and it's just really profound what will come through, and it's really taught me the art of surrender and just Mm -hmm. seeing what comes up, and then um, it always activates a new perspective or a new kind of thinking or a kind of an aha moment when I pull something, and sometimes it's extremely direct, and you're like, oh my God, (laughs) this is not a coincidence. It's like coincidence versus synchronicity. It's kind of like, I'm not sure there is such thing is coincidence. Um, mm-hmm. it's, all, it's all synchronized. So yeah, I love that form of, I guess some people call it divination, but I just, I love working with Oracle cards. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I mean, you yeah. know, the, the idea of divination sometimes is like, what's going to happen in the future? And I'm not so sure that's healthy, you know, because it's like the future will get here. Let's get in the moment. And what, how can right. you be more real in the moment? Or what, what is it that you need to know to feel happy or more peaceful or you know what I mean? So yes. that word divination sorta of, I
0: don't know, maybe just
1: it's just me, but it seems like it's it's a little bit more superficial.
0: Yeah, this is actually the first time I've ever used the word. I usually, <laughs> <laughs> I usually pull them for like clarity or just like to gain mm-hmm. clarity and understanding around um, a sticky situation or something that we just feel like we need guidance around in the moment to just ease, ease any tension in the heart or in the mind to just be like, ah, oh, I, I understand more like that this is all uh-huh. purposed.
1: Mm-hmm. It, now, Helen, did you ever have a dream that changed your life? Like it made you yes. look at things so different that you made changes?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. I Well, I was telling you, I have these like cellular activation dreams sometimes that I wake <laughs> up and I'm just like, oh my God. And um, the other one I had was um, years ago that I've just been kind of wishing would come back is I met the Arcturians or what I perceived to be the Arcturians under mm-hmm. a bridge. I saw these um, extra dimensional beings. They met me under a bridge. They had um, beaks Um, interesting beaks. There was like one leader with like two beside them and they were wearing really beautiful robes and garments and they communicated um, telepathically just by looking in your Mm -hmm. eyes and they had these Mm -hmm. gorgeous amber eyes. And um, that was a dream. There have been a few that I literally have woken up just like sweating and just like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like something just happened. Mm-hmm. So, like we call, are-
1: we call those great dreams. Mm-hmm. Like, like I noticed like there's a pattern when I'm working with people where we might start with a lot of conflict dreams, you know, like the, the chase dream. I always call it the 20 something dream, you know, mm-hmm. because the people that are chasing us are really the sides of us that are emerging that we haven't quite integrated, you know. Mm-hmm. But, we, you know, a lot of times I'm working with people With conflict and then it starts, the the symbolism becomes more earthy and related to the path or, and then, you know, ultimately they'll move towards what, like what you're describing something that's like a a big affirmation of, of the path or, you know, a great dream.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure I would even be having these conversations or having this podcast or or sparking Mm -hmm. this curiosity if I hadn't had dreams like this, to be honest, because it just lit up something in me that I'm just, it feels like my life's work is to have conversations like this and make us feel more connected to that self, that Mm -hmm. one self, if you will. Mm -hmm. So- the other thing maybe I should ask you about too, is my sister and I had the same dream when we were kids um, that we both remember, and we both had the same exact dream in different colors. I dreamt it with a my sister shoe.
1: my sister and I did too
0: really but we were what like is a that year about apart. well how what 's your age exactly we 're eighteen months apart we exactly. were sleeping we were like sleeping in the same room, having a sleepover one night and we both dreamt that we were driving our parents' car away, like really young <laughs> and up and I fell out of the car. And like, Annie's trying to like grab my hand as I fell out of the car. So my perspective is, um, we both had it from our perspectives. Um, uh-huh. and I dreamt it in an orange hue and I think she dreamt it in a purple hue. And we're, we woke up and we're like, are you copying me? Like, I just had the same dream. I <laughs> just like, what do you think I that's think- about?
1: well what the way I you know my sister and I used to have the same dreams all the time, and you know you're we, we were young together and uh i I feel like in fact um the idea that um that well there's a, there's the idea one of my favorite authors is Julian james he wrote a book called the uh Origin of consciousness in the breakdown of the bicameral like, mind, i know it 's a mouthful. Mm. <laughs> he was like a Princeton psychology professor or whatever, but anyway his, his his idea is that the consciousness of the preliterate the the ancient man or whatever, the evolution of consciousness matches to the evolution of, of people, and so he compares like the three year old consciousness the way the kid slips between the unconscious. And as he's learning language and words and what's right and what's wrong and thou shalt and whatever it is that goes on as we grow up, prior to that, he, there's a lot more access to the unconscious. So it could be that you guys were younger, or you know that yeah. that's kind of how I felt with my sister. Is I believe all children are um, accessing connect the connection, you know, much more easily than when we get old and crusty in our brain <laughs> that limits, totally. us to, uh, limits us to it. I mean, at some level, we're all connected. I mean, we are part of a, a flow and that's why I love nature. Nature is a big part of my spirituality. Mm-hmm. Like um, whether it's, you know, what, what, how we can understand the human journey in nature's eyes. And I feel like everything, you know, we're part of this flow. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, then of course we're all connected. And so dreaming together, you know, but I don't, I don't know. That would be what I, how I would uh, describe oh, what happened.
0: That's beautiful. I, I was watching Avatar last night and just crying. <laughs> I just <laughs> love how that movie portrays the connection to nature and the mm-hmm. indigenous spiritual connection um, mm-hmm. uh, that just brought that up for me. But okay. And then you've also been mentioning um, symbols here and there. So I'd love to dive into symbolism and in dreams and mm-hmm. maybe some of the common symbols that people see or the common themes that come up. Okay. Um, are there any that that come? Yeah, to yeah, for you? sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, like a very common dream is having our teeth fall out. Have you ever had that dream? Yeah,
0: I hate <laughs> okay. that dream. Well, I know it's
1: a common it hasn't dream happened recently, that's what but people search on my website. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But it's fun, you know. It's actually kind of amusing because you know, number one, our teeth are falling out at important stages, like our wisdom teeth. are, we get older and wiser, you know. So, so the teeth falling out can be representative of like going through kind of a a big transition, but, but more importantly, it seems to match credibility. Like it's, when you have a a dream of your teeth falling out, you would ask yourself, did I say something in the last few days to somebody that wasn't the truth? Not like you purposely lied, but you're just not, you're not really revealing yourself in all your truthness. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, so the teeth falling out can be credibility. Another common dream is to, um, you know, the transportation symbols. So you can dream of being on a boat, you can dream of being in a car, someone who's driving you, like who, and, and it's sort of like, are you in control? Is the car out of control? And, and those transportation symbols will represent kind of our motivation, you know, what's driving us, like, even like a boat going across the water would incorporate more of the emotion you know the the access to the unconscious, or, or you know, I know a lot in the East. I work with a lot of people in Indonesia and India, and there's a lot more train dreams. And it's not just because maybe they're using the train more, but the the train is the You know, we're on a train and we're jumping off of it, and we're jumping back on, and we're jumping off. Or um, that's a very common dream, but it's you know in it ha- you have the sense that the tracks were laid down and you, it, they, you know, in those cultures, sometimes the family plans that you need to be married to this person or you got, you know, they have a lot more controls on the future, future decisions. So the train is the motivation that sort of like, you know, it attracts. I, I talked about houses. A lot of times we'll have a dream of a familiar house, but somewhere is like an, uh, a new room and that new room is going to be really insightful, uh, just, you know, that's new potential because I see the house as being, you know, the paradigm. And when it's more of a business environment, it can relate more to work. You know, obviously ceilings limit us or being in a room without windows is, you know, has to do with our perception. So you kind of just, you know, if you, if you use, and, and I mentioned the animal, the way that we can dream of ferocious animals as a representation of, you know, our ability to express anger or you know, we can dream of blood. Like I've had people tell me about some very gory dreams, but again, don't be afraid of the fact that they get literal gory because sometimes they do that so that you remember them. But, you know, you could have a dream of blood and it's really talking more about the ability to feel, you know, let something go through skin awareness and touch your essence or, you know what I mean? So- Mm-hmm. Um, and then the underwear, the trying to find a bathroom, bathrooms without doors, you're trying to go to the bathroom, but you can't quite get the privacy can really relate to intimacy, you might be exploring, uh, going to a different level in a relationship you know, and, and that can portray you not wanting really to reveal yourself, not necessarily in your nakedness, but the dream does that. And that's why the going to school in our underwear is real common when we're kids, because we've spent our early life feeling quite comfortable being validated by mommy and daddy and everything's rosy. And, you know, and all of a sudden you get thrown into a room full of people that are judging you, or you feel like you're being judged, or you Mm -hmm. have to like have conversations or, you know, and so you're in your underwear, you know, Does that make sense? Oh yeah,
0: and it reminds me of what you were saying earlier too about paying attention to the feeling instead of grasping Mm -hmm. onto the details of the dream. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly, and that's important because sometimes that's all that's all you need to then get the symbol back. And I will say too, you don't need to remember the entire dream because, like, I'll work with people and very, we'll be doing like really comprehensive dream work. So I'm getting like five dreams a week or something, and they're saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like that. You don't have to remember it all. Like just just little pieces of it. It'll just use different landscapes or whatever to like say the same thing. And what I also notice back to the oracles is a lot of times I'll I do actually coaching, wh- which involves one reading of their you know choice of oracle or whatever and a dream, and they're exactly they're identical. The information that's oh, coming really? out of the dream. Oh yeah, so cool. It's like it's like whatever it's saying is exactly the oracle reading and.
0: Mm. Oh, that's so cool. I'm just looking at my notes on my phone because I I just tend to wake up and I really want to remember my dreams. It's helped me to actually just keep them in my phone. I'll just Mm -hmm. do a quick jot down, but it's so funny to look back on all of these because you do forget and then it's like, Mm -hmm. what is going on? Lots of animals, like stags and peacocks and fireflies in here it's just mm-hmm. interesting but you have a dream journal on your website or a dream like symb- Dictionary, symbology yeah. list okay yeah you can Great.
1: actually type your dream in and it will give you the list of all the cuz it will give you like the words but also associated synonyms mm-hmm. but you know all those things all those those animals you know stop and think but what does a peacock rep- represent or you know, the stag, you know, mm-hmm. could you know what I mean? It could be like an Aries archetype of pushing through something or, so, yeah. And, and no matter how crazy a dream gets, you know, I, I, I've, I can always interpret them. <laughs> so there always yeah. seems to be like a, a meaning for
0: some people everyone. have, um, you know, expressed to me that they always have like nightmares or they just don't have good dreams. So they're kind of like, mm-hmm. they don't really want to remember it. If, mm-hmm. what would you say to someone who's struggling with nightmares a lot?
1: Good for you. Oh. <laughs> because No, seriously. <laughs> yeah, seriously, No,
0: no, 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 no. That's exactly what I
1: would tell them. Good for yeah. you. Because when they <laughs> have the nightmare, it's showing that there's a quaking going on in their psyche. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the whole idea of the shadow. Uh, the stalker or, or, you know, someone trying to break into our house, you know, it's us, some part of us we've repressed, and it's trying to get back into its own bed or, you know, so whatever the, the scarier, the dream, the, the more fear is being brought to the surface so that we can work through it. Mm-hmm. And I always say there are positive nightmares are a positive sign that power is coming back to us, you know, to be tapped in a productive way. And I, even like, you know, I know, some people often ask me about sleep paralysis, which is yeah. like, is like the condition of your body's paralyzed. You're, it does that when we dream so we don't act out on it, but sometimes wakefulness can occur. And like I said, we're in that big expansive, anything's possible dream world. So the minute we start thinking, Oh, there's an evil thing sitting on my chest and pressing on my nose or, you know, like we can make anything we want because that's exactly what, you know, what the mind's doing, but it's really just a hiccup between waking up, uh, before the body kind of wakes up. But there's nothing to be afraid of. And I've never, you know, seen dreams, nor in astrology, you know, or in anything where there's anything negative going on. And even in life with nature, a natural disaster, it's nature trying to balance something, moving water from one side of the planet to the other, even if it like take, comes in a flood, maybe there's dams that needed to be torn down or, you know, so there's nothing, I don't, I feel that there's nothing, you know, um, negative going on and and I feel like part of that path that you asked me about in the beginning, my ritual or what I do, mm-hmm. is you know let the extremes go it doesn 't have to be good it doesn 't have to be bad because we, you know it, it seems like everything in life is growing, that suggests benevolence life 's been getting better for billions of years, and we 're part of it. We are definitely a part of what life 's doing and so you know, there's no reason to think that we would, that the universe would have designed us to, to put us through a horror show while we're sleeping. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? So yeah. the so the nightmare is actually like the release of, of inhibiting or things that were not processed correctly. So so I would say, in fact, when people write me and they have nightmares, I always give them first consideration because I know how they, you know, and I'm always the one clapping for them. Good for you. Like, That's awesome. This is yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. So.
0: It is. It's like trauma and shadow work, really, mm-hmm. um, at the same time, isn't it? And like some of the most profound work that we can do in the waking life and the dream life is to right. go through those experiences. So I think, right. yeah, it's so beautiful how healing it really can be to, to work through these things. Right. Another like off note, very random might not be relevant, but what do you think, um, deja vu is, do you feel like deja vu has anything to do with the dream world?
1: Yeah. I think that's synchronicity. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that, you know, like I've seen uh, commonly that there's portions of the dream that become prophetic. And I see this a lot. And I think deja vu, we've forgotten what we dreamed about, but yet we, you know, get a sense of Wow, I've seen this before. I know it's going to happen, or you know, I think it. I think deja vu ties together the inner world and the outer world in the same way synchronicity does. So I know there that there's uh, people that would say, well, it's just a hiccup in the brain, in in the memory center where you're yeah. seeing it, but it feels like a memory. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's something going on, possibly. But but I've seen enough synchronicity at play to see that deja vu matches to it. And, you know, what's the point of synchronicity when I'm doing dream work with people? It seems like they will, you know, be getting some, I always feel like the dream's about a week ahead of their consciousness. Like they're exploring something, but it doesn't come into experiential reality for a little bit of time. Right. Mm -hmm. And the synchronicity seems to be an opportunity to like an initiation, whatever they've been dreaming. Now it's on the path. And it's like. Did you change how you look at it? Because here it is, right? You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. It's so. interesting how like there'll be such little things too. Like yesterday I had deja vu just looking at a text message, like mm-hmm. from a guest confirming. And I was like, whoa, but maybe it was just um, that she was meant to be interviewed and come on the show and have this conversation or something. But it was mm-hmm. like, oh my, but it's such an overwhelming full body sensation when we have deja vu that it feels yeah. much more than like a, like a val- yeah. right. It feels like a
1: validation. It sure it does. Happens. I love it. Always, it gets loud. La- it's like the world
0: gets louder in the same way dreams get louder. It's know? like a little wink from the universe. Exactly. Like. <laughs> it's awesome. Pat on the back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other theme I've been thinking about recently is where consciousness meets intelligence. Like where is the, do you, do you know what I mean by that? Like I have trouble sometimes putting it into language, but like where does our consciousness and the higher self and, and the oneness of what we are and who we are meet like the intelligence and where does that like split kind of happen if there is a split?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like the brain is an organ. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's meant for us to process something, mm-hmm. you know, but at some level, we're more than that. Right. And I don't know, I don't know if I understood your question correctly and I'm answering it, but I, I see it sort of as, you know, the brain is like the vehicle for, you know, gathering memory and experience and knowledge and wisdom and processing and letting go and dreams and then having the experience and learning. But at some level we, we go, oh, I thought I knew it all. You know what? I know nothing. Mm. And, and, and you let it go. And now all of a sudden it's like, where am I? I'm part of this big flow. I'm I'm part of the universal consciousness. I'm, you know, it's at some point what we know is not as important as that goodness of this, you know, it, universal love, you can call it, or this just vibe of, yeah. of, you know. And it's you know, times right now, it's it's really hard, you know, to see the. See the stupid things that people do, you know that this horror that we're seeing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's hard to like um, say that anything good is going on in the universe when you can see such horrible, evil, blah blah blah. But that, that's you know that's people that are misguided, or you know, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. it's not
1: it's not necessarily nature, but
0: yeah, I mean. This is another conversation, I guess, about darkness and is is there such thing as evil or evil acts or like, I guess there is a yin and a yang to everything. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it?
1: Well, I think that there, I, I wrote a book, one of my first books was called <laughs> Nothing Bad Happens in Life. And it's really the I Ching, like looking at it as a philosophical study, because I had done a lot of studying on ancient Chinese philosophy. But, you know, the, the purpose of that book was back when I was really like, you know, Uh, looking at the idea that there isn't really evil. There's just this, you know, things we're in the moment seeing something like, like life is chaos and then it's, then it's organization and then it's chaos and then it's organization. It's rolling through this ever changing, you know, like you could call it yin and yang or, you know, and, and we can be in like a degree of the change right now here at this point in chaos, it looks ugly. It looks bad. It looks, you know, but, don't judge it because it's maybe going like, like one thing I, I always refer to is the way that when the bricks and mortar stores were all being torn down, the economy is suffering because of this online world or, you know, but where would we have been during the pandemic had that not all happened or, you know, we don't know where this is going. Like this, this war that's going on now, like it could have something to do with better energy sources. Maybe the electric cars are finally going to become the the thing, you know, like and help the environment or, you know, so, there's just, you can't really judge good and bad or say that there's evil. You can certainly say that, you know, there's people that make bad decisions or, or, or mis- have misunderstandings. You know, mm-hmm. certainly there's people that have mental illness or whatever it is. They, they can create very ugly, you know, things, but, but I, I don't. I mean, sorry, that was a mouthful.
0: No, not at <laughs> but, all.
1: But I, I don't, I don't believe in the evil. I just believe in change.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you. And I think that understanding started to sink in when um, I feel like it's a lot of fear around dying. People are afraid of dying, death, everything. And and when you kind of release that fear of dying, it's like, okay, we're in this natural ecosystem and this flow of life where there is this ebb and flow and it's, it's natural, but not to be insensitive to like the the horrors that unfold in front of us and, and the experience of the human emotion and mm-hmm. seeing our brothers and sisters get hurt. Um, It's just interesting to almost just surrender to the flow of it in a way Mm -hmm, and and mm -hmm. at the same time try to advance um, humanity and evolution by spreading, you know, love and compassion, honestly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, who knows where it's all going to go? It, Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, but, but what we can, I, I really feel like the work that we do ourselves, you know, is, 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 is helpful in some way to the whole, you know.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. I know i
1: I was talking with a friend the other day i 'm like I'm praying for peace, I'm praying for peace, but it 's not happening like you know it's i 'm sure everybody feels that way, like where is God right now, or you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like how these poor people you yeah. know yeah. old people hobbling around
0: I know I do think prayer ha- there is very powerful. I try to start off every meditation with prayer for for people that might need it, who might not have yeah. it activated yes. and this light activated. Um, but at some, you know, we're one of 7 billion out here. It's like, mm-hmm. there is something that I, I'm not sure we are even meant to grasp that is so mm-hmm. beyond us that we'll maybe someday understand. Um, right. As we. And, through and gen- yeah.
1: And generally like the word is, let's say from all the near death experiencers, NDEs, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's definitely a common idea that what we let go of, you know, and we go into that other, you know, whatever. It's like, wait, it's, they, they feel like there's nothing to worry about everything, you know, all of a sudden the part of our brain that's trying to figure out what's wrong you know, is gone or or whatever it is, it's bliss. And it said that so, so even though we're saying all oh, these, all these people dying, or maybe there's like a blessing, you know, I hate to say that, because mm-hmm. that's that I don't mean to sound insensitive, but we just don't know what it's all about. You know, right. Maybe there's like a big project going on, and they need a lot of good souls. And obviously, those the Ukrainians are amazing people. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't know how beautiful they are. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: until you know. so who knows? Right.
0: And coming from the, I, I do believe that we choose our path, um, mm-hmm. to, to a certain extent coming here and that we kind of make soul contracts in a way or, mm-hmm. or we know that we're about to get into this to learn very specific lessons, whether mm-hmm. we live to 10 years old or to a hundred years old or something crazy happens to us. I do think it's all purposed. I think it's mm-hmm. for our, um, evolvement and, um, that's, yeah. that's why astrology
1: charts are so profound. I feel like it's the HTML code of, you know, you can kind of look behind the scenes. And when I read a chart, it tells the whole story of Do you what, means, you
0: know. Sorry, I just cut you off. Do you use Vedic astrology or Western? Western. Mm-hmm.
1: I, yeah, they're, they're a little bit different, but I, I use the same coordinates that, let's say, NASA would be using to where are the planets and, you know. It's a very different system, Vedic and Western. But, you know, the thing is, is like, even if you add Chinese astrology into the equation, for example, I'm a water tiger, but in Western astrology, I am a Aries Gemini with a big grand water trine. So it's like, you can, you know, again, these oracles are going to sort of say the same thing. And I'm sure that when people get their charts read in a Vedic style or whatever, you know, I'm not, I don't use it. I use the Western version, but... You know, it's just, that's what I learned. I learned it when I was seven mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's like, it works. It's like, it, 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 it is a language. Like yeah. I see it talking. It, the little things become letters, like it tells us. Oh story. yeah,
0: and there's no doubt, especially when you look back on like what's been happening with life events, um, even backwards. It's like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, all of these things mm-hmm. lined up exactly where the planets mm-hmm. were, and it Absolutely. just makes so much sense. It's it's I'm, I need to get more into it myself. I'm so glad that uh-huh. you're talking about it. But yeah, oh I wrote I wrote a yeah. blog about all the
1: you know the things that led to the bricks and mortar thing, and the, you know, and 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 I I wrote probably. I don't know, a few years ago, about Uranus and uh, Taurus, which would be like, uh, you know, technology mixed with the financial system. And here you got cryptocurrencies. Oh, yeah. and It's so, uh, yeah, like, like everything when you look at it, it makes sense.
0: <laughs> and this is your year, too, year of the water tiger, right? Yeah, but it's not good
1: when it's your year. But, you know, I may, I'm making a big change, so. Yeah, it'll <laughs> so maybe, be, a, it'll
0: be a, maybe a little chaotic, hopefully not too chaotic.
1: <laughs> well, they say in the Chinese sign that when it's your year, when you're in your year or whatever. But, you know, like, really, I'm, I'm making a, a big move that I, you know, I, I've, so, yeah, I mean, I could see where maybe the energy sort of
0: went, boom, time to go. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, oh, my gosh. You know, well, so that's good. Carrie, it has just been such a pleasure talking with you. I mean, we'll have to get you on again in the, in the future because I, have, I could just ask you questions for hours about dreams. And I know that so many of us are just fascinated by it. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and just helping us integrate a little bit more. Um, well, thank you so
1: much for having yeah. me. And it was really fun talking with you. And- you
0: too. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, and before we go, um, let people know where
1: they can find you and work with you if they'd like to. Okay, so my website is Cafe A Soul, so C A F E A U S O U L, like Cafe A Soul, and I have like in the shop section you can see the different kinds of coaching, uh, dream work, the different things I do. Obviously, you can always just contact me with the contact form, and certainly enjoy the oracles—they're free. You know, just uh, there's a section called oracles, and you can choose between them. So,
0: perfect. Well, thank you so much again. Have a beautiful rest of your day and uh, talk to you soon. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here with us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. And of course, everything we chatted about is linked in the description below. A couple more things on Maya, and If you go to HelenDenham.com, you'll find links to work with me if you're feeling called. I have a one-on-one mentorship program, a course called Cultivating Confidence, an eight-module self-mastery course. And there are lots of vlog posts up for you. There's a link to sign up for my self-care Sunday newsletter, which goes out every week. I love doing that with you guys. And I also teach meditation on Sundays with Unplugged Meditation and The Den. So looking forward to connecting with you. Again, I'm on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore and at The Lifted Podcast. Talk to you soon. Episodes drop on Wednesdays. I love you so much. Sending blessings. Bye for now.